It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. Sorry about that. So, hello everyone, and welcome to the Christmas edition of the VHA podcast for 2020. Um, I'm joined by the ever faithful Nick Ivo. How are you doing, Nick? I'm very well, thank you. Rambo, yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing better than I was in the last podcast. Chortle. Um, <laughs> um, but as always with the Christmas podcast, we are uh, joined by special guests. Um, the first being um, Alia Drury from uh, Leeds Griffins fame and now of the new Leeds Roses. How are you doing, Alia? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you very much and I'm glad to have you on board for this Christmas edition. Thank um, you for having me. And uh, our other guest, um, hailing from Finland, um, multilingual, Essie Itasalo. How are you doing, Essie? I'm all good. I hope everyone's well, too. Thank you. Thank you. So um, before we get into the sort of uh, the meat and drink of things, um, it'd be good if we could get a little bit about our guests. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Aliyah. Um, could you just tell us how you got interested in hockey and, and the journey it's taken you on? Yeah, sure. It's um, my story is somewhat underwhelming. Actually, it was somewhat an accident. Um, I joined through uni. I was in my third year, and one of my friends was really keen to sort of join the sport, but didn't want to, you know, go to the give it a go on her own. So I said I'd come with her. I came with her, and like four years later, she's not playing, and I manage a team and am a captain. And that's sort of my little, very short and sweet journey of how I got into it. It was really a complete accident. Well, well, happy little accident, uh, I'm sure, uh, no doubt, as, as you'll be enjoying playing now, I presume. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. No regrets at all. I'm absolutely loving it. It's um, very much become a big part of my life, and the community around it is, is just incredible. Great. It's good to hear um, these stories. I'm sure Nick will agree. Uh, when we get people that come into hockey kind of uh, at, at that level. Uh, would you agree with that, Nick? Yeah, definitely so. It's um, <laughs> it's quite ironic, actually. The uh, I, I share a very similar story that I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily in contact with him anymore, but the the person that I came into the sport with in terms of the, the person who I first started going skating with and we started, uh, we bought a hockey kit and started like playing for the same rec team together uh back when i was like 17 18 years old I, i'm pretty sure he's not in the sport either so it's it's quite ironic how, how these things work out but no that's um whilst it might seem underwhelming that's where all the all the best stories start from <laughs> and uh, now i will uh, i'll bring an essay to uh, tell us um how how you got into hockey and, and where the journey it's taken you well, it's kind of a untypical for someone who's from Finland because I did grow up literally playing in school at PE lessons, but I hated hockey at that time. I just was not into it. It, was, it wasn't that I particularly hated hockey. I just hated PE. And because it was associated with PE, not was not my thing. Um, but then as a teenager, I moved to Switzerland. And then I think I started to look for something else because I was doing other sports at the time. And I had started to watch hockey loads because my dad was really into hockey. And then I joined, well, I trialed for a team um, back in Switzerland and didn't make it. And I was like, oh, no, do you know what? This is not my thing. Then I trialed for another team, made it and then kept on playing. And then obviously came to uni in Edinburgh 
and we had beagles at the time. Bring beagles back. I'm joking. Um, and then sort of just trained with them. And then when beagles left, went to recce side for a little bit. And then obviously we have Steel Queens now, which has been amazing. Um, but I've done a lot on the side with hockey as well. I started volunteering at World Championships and stuff like that. So I've been involved with it on a lot of different sides, I think. Excellent uh, stuff. Now, um, I think uh, one of the, the reasons I brought in two very interesting guests today, um, and again, again, I'll go to Alea, and please tell me if I'm pronouncing that wrong as well, because uh, I, I do do that from time to time <laughs> um, first. But if you could uh, if you just tell me, they've now got a new women's team in, in Leeds. Could you tell me um, all about how that how that got up and running and, and the people involved with that as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, Alia is fine, first of all. Um, so, yeah, the Leeds Roses has sort of come about as a bit of amalgamation of of a few sort of different dreams by a, different pe- a few different people, thinking that it would be a great space to set up and that, you know, Leeds really needed something like that because there is a big sort of following in a community um, here and just wasn't sort of anything to support it for women. So... There's four of us um, on the committee. There's me, um, Amanda Rusher, uh, Dan Lenartovich and Nina Brown, all of which are from completely different walks of hockey. And so we sort of come together to create this really sort of communal space that's friendly, welcoming, diverse um, and, you know, just creating a nice hub and sort of a home for it in Leeds. Um, And uh, you... Obviously, the new the new Leeds rink I've, I've been at it. Um, is it is it any more finished than the the last time I would have been there? <laughs> yeah, well, I think all the seats are in now, actually. Um, so at least there's that. I think they're still they've not finished the bar, which is obviously disappointing. Um, and that's I suppose what most people are probably waiting for in terms of spectators. But it's you know it's all right. They've got sort of all about the logos down on the ice and stuff now and. The uh, the changing rooms are nearly finished as well. I think actually, it's getting that slowly that, but surely. That's good to hear. Um, it'll be a great f- facility when it's when it's fully fully done up. I'm sure, uh, and I'm sure the seats were a priority during COVID times for them as well. So I'm glad to see that that's done. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, uh, Nick, have you have you been to Leeds? Have you have you had the the pleasure of travelling to Leeds yet? No. Oh, I haven't had the uh, I haven't had the opportunity. I think there was irons in the fire the back end of uh, the back end of last season in terms of little month period between the end of the season and nationals. We were we were in discussions with trying to trying to get down there and uh, either play uh, a couple of rec teams or, or play the uh, play the Griffins. But unfortunately, obviously, uh, COVID intervened. But no, I haven't had the the, the fortunate. Uh, well, it's one of the, one of the many rinks I've not been to, so it's it will be on the list. <laughs> if you if you try and arrange your friendly for when uh, when Newcastle United are playing Leeds as well, it's like right round the corner, so you could go to that first and then just walk along the road to your ice ice hockey game. It's, it's, a it's not a bad share. Yeah, it's pretty handy. Um, and uh, and AC, uh, coming to you um, now, assistant coach. With GB, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it under 16s women's team? Uh, tell under us about, 18. Under, I knew I'd get it wrong. T- uh, t- <laughs> tell us about how you got into that um, and and how you're enjoying coaching. So I actually I got into it quite accidentally because I wasn't ever meaning to coach as per. But obviously when I've done uni, I've I've basically focused on hockey, and I think with Steel Queens like when we formed and stuff it was a lot of like a lot of players would ask questions and a lot of us who had played more started sort of giving advice to people and sort of helping in drill sections and stuff um and then I did loads of coaching models in uni um and focused them specifically on hockey so I ended up studying hockey a lot and studying the game a lot so even though I wasn't as per a coach ever I feel like like I sort of fell into it a little bit. And then this January, I had the absolute honour to go to Lausanne for Youth Winter Olympics. Um, And again, fell into a position really accidentally where the IIHF needed help translating coaching. Um, And then that translation 
um, helping out the head coach ended up me actually getting to put my input into the coaching as well. So once the GP positions came up, I just sort of, you know, thought, well, I'll try if they don't want anyone like me who's coming from a sort of a different background to a lot of coaches who, you know, maybe had their kids play and then coach for juniors for ages and then got into the system that way. I was like, you know what, I'll try. I've got a different background. I know a lot about hockey, not necessarily by coaching, but through a lot of other things. So I just went for it and um, they were interested. They liked my background, thought I can give a really good perspective. So got into that. And obviously, unfortunately, because of COVID, we've had the season cancelled. We had our Worlds cancelled for January, which is such a shame. Um, but we're going to work hard um, behind the scenes to hopefully have a better season next season if Corona leaves us. But it's been great fun so far and the people are amazing and it's it's really fun being involved in something like a national team. So cool. Um it's great it's great to hear that it's interesting how you how you got involved. Now um the next question I did pre warn you both of, but before before I, I, I sort of put it to to Essie and, and Alia, um I'll just uh, I'll just bring Nick in briefly. Uh, Nick um you and I both obviously have, have created uh, women's teams in the university sphere um, and I think we both agree that it's it's quite rewarding and, and something that we feel needed to be done. But just uh, do you think that we're we're overtly qualified to comment on how important it is? Um, <clears throat> I think we've probably obviously got the experience in, in years served and, and the background element to it. But in terms of obviously how it directly impacts us, we're... <laughs> We're we're not female and can't talk of maybe the 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 um, the hurdles that have been placed in front of female players, whether it be at the junior level or or at the university level or at any level in terms of accessing the sport and being able to do what they need to do. I think both me and you shared a vision that <clears throat> there was a gap in the market in in our respective areas as to something that that should be done. I know, obviously. Um, for, for myself, it was kind of it's it's a it's a retooling of something that was done previously. Uh, we'll not get into my thoughts on that, but anyway, it's a retooling of something that was there previously. Whereas yourself was obviously filling a, a massive massive gap in the uh, in the in the Scottish market. But I think we both highlighted that this is this is something that university brings such a uh, a diverse blend of uh, of male and female players and varying levels of experience and it is it is important and we saw a, a pathway as, as we've talked about previously a pathway of where university can really help the the senior women's divisions bring through an extra band of players that haven't come through juniors but can get a good couple of years worth of experience and some good coaching hopefully and and develop and reinforce the women's game from that point of view into the into the senior women's leagues ranks by adding another band of players and the the beautiful thing is i think you'll, you'll recognize this rambo is we we train people for who come to our institutions and our teams which then it's it's really nice that you then see them go away and they might go back home and and play for their their local women's team back there. They don't necessarily have to have to stick to either the northeast or Scotland. We we have we have players that go across the country and and spread the word and really benefit all the teams. So I, I know there's obviously the pioneering work that you've done. I think there's there's others that have started this as well, and it's it's a movement which is 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 critically important for the future of. Uh, women's senior hockey in the UK anyway I, I think it's a, a rather underrated area which I think we're we're now hoping to try and um, develop for them yeah um, that was a lot longer an answer than expected Nick but um, a very very full one and I think you're, you're, you're quite on the nose from where we're both coming from anyway but I think it's important to ask two people that one of course who's who's involved in creating a, a women's club in, in Leeds and, and also Essie who um, is also been sort of instrumental in, in one of the inspirations behind doing the Steel Queens in the first place, and just how important it is to, you know, have the opportunity to play women in an all women's team in a in a sort of world where generally the only option for new start senior women is to play mixed hockey. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go to you uh, first, Alia, and you can maybe give me your thoughts on that. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, we've got like a sort of a generally a few different reasons sort of why we feel that it's it's so pivotal to have a sort of a hub for women in, in not just in Leeds, but in the entire sport and sort of after sort of chatting it through with like my, like the co-committee, we all sort of came down to the same reasons really. And sort of the overarching one sort of being, as you said, is that, you know, uni hockey gets you into a great place as a woman, sort of as an adult woman. And it's a great place to start. But after then sort of without having women's hockey, there isn't really a fantastic number of other platforms to sort of get into it. Obviously there's rec and such, but I know from a personal experience, I've not sort of felt as comfortable going straight into rec from uni hockey, especially still being sort of like at a lower level. And I know a lot of women have sort of felt the same way. So it's sort of a fantastic place to create somewhere that people can grow and progress and feel comfortable um, and still sort of have that support that they may need and want. Um, but then also, you know, it's really fantastic to be able to so sort of from a higher perspective, high level perspective is to be able to sort of celebrate women and how well they're doing for their ability rather than to, you know, have the sort of backhanded compliment of like, oh, you're doing so great for a girl playing at this level. And that's something that we, we really wanted to sort of, you know, get rid of um, and that a lot of people have experienced. I know I've experienced it at higher levels, you know, people saying like, oh, you're doing really great for a girl. I thought this was a men's sport. Um, and that's something we wanted to weed out. And we thought it was completely unnecessary and not very progressive in, you know, 2020. And yeah, that's sort of our our view, our perspective on it. That's that's uh, really enlightening, actually. I never even thought of it that way. That it sort of celebrates the uh, the talent of of women on display. I mean, it's some of the girls I've coached, and I'm sure Essie and Nicola will agree, um, are are you know fantastic uh, players and I, I I don't necessarily think oh they're great for a girl I just think they're great players but I can see that that's still something that's uh, that's around in the sport so it's actually very enlightening to hear that that's sort of one of the thoughts behind it and uh, and unfortunately that's still something that you have to deal with um, is there any way that we could do better in that Alia you know that you know maybe men should think about how they're, how they're addressing their female players <laughs> um yeah, I guess it sort of all comes down to sort of really like an unconscious bias, really. Uh, I'm sure people don't mean to do it, but it's, I think, really through having a more of a presence, having more women's teams, having sort of more, you know, more teams that are sort of known by a wider party of people is how it's really going to become something that isn't compared. Um, you know, even though it's on a mixed team, I feel that with <clears throat> with more platforms, it's sort of the only way that it's really going to become sort of more even, a more level playing ground. Okay, thanks for that. Um, uh, Essie, um, same question uh, to yourself. Who's obviously, you played Beagles and, and Rec before you, the Steel Queens were formed. How, how do you think, how important do you think it is to have an all-women's environment for, uh, for development? This is definitely a two-tailed thing. And honestly, I feel like I could talk about this for, for years. But obviously having, you know, female players go through the development stage in a predominantly male team can be really, really, you know, beneficial. And it can be amazing for the development because, you know, stereotypically, we are a little bit, you know, slower. And sometimes, particularly if you start to score at a later age, you know, you're not as skilled developed as, you know, the boys the same age as you. So it can actually be really amazing playing with males. However, particularly what I found coming into a uni scene was that you're not really taken into the teams as a team player. You know, you're still considered a girl. That's a girl playing in our team. And, you know, it doesn't, unfortunately, give you the same opportunities all the time as it does for your, you know, male teammates who've joined at the same stage as you. So, you know, it can it can actually be really demotivating to not have an environment where you look the same way. And I 100% think there's, there's still, you know, like Elia said, you know, you're you're being looked as okay you're good for a girl but you're not good for a player and I think that's when really the having a women's environment comes into play because we don't look at each other and go oh well you're good for a girl we're all girls we were, we're at the you know even playing level um and and just you know it's it's a 
completely different environment. You know, I know that some girls really, really prefer playing with males. And for me, you know, having the chance to play with Beagles and Rec and then going to the BYHA camps and having a mixed team, going to the higher group to train with them, you know, training with people who are a lot faster than you, a lot more physical than you, you know, that's really enriching. But I've never felt like I was in the teams, if that makes sense. Like I was always just like I was training there. You know, I was always like, okay, well, I'll see at the end of the game if I'll get picked for scrimmages or I'll see if anyone passes to me in a game. Like I'd be lucky to touch the puck in a game. And then when Steel Queens came around, it was like, oh, wow, like I'm actually an important part of this team and I noticed really quickly my mindset to hockey and I can see why a lot of females especially in the uni scene are are scared to even come to to try the sport if they don't have a female team because you know it's not so much that you get bullied or discriminated it's just you're just not being treated the same and it's really unfortunate and I think it's something that a lot of teams do need to work on because a lot of women want to play mixed hockey as well but you know just the environment has been completely different I've actually enjoyed playing I've wanted to play I've wanted to get better and I think that's what the most important thing about having the chance for women to play with women is because everyone should want to play hockey if they're enjoying it and they should want to feel like their contribution to the team is equal Um, and you know it's a great opportunity to then make them feel like they'll want to go and play after uni you know like Nick said about going to to the women's teams afterwards and, and continuing or rec or whatever it is you know I if I don't think if Steel Queens came around I think I would have quit because it's not that I didn't like the people I was playing with it's just it wasn't an environment where I felt like I could thrive in and I think that's a lot that's the same thing for a lot of our women players so I feel like it's really really important that we push the women's game forward Thanks for that Essie um, some of the things I, I've been thinking about recently during lockdown, and I, I'll, I'll sort of put these ideas out and, uh, and throw it to the floor um, about the women's uh, w- women's senior game, as it were, as opposed to maybe the uni game, is is like I think we could push things forward a little bit. Um, you know, like having a com- conference. I appreciate maybe it wouldn't work at junior level because there's players are all over the place at junior and they have to tend to go and find a senior team um, at the women's level because not every club has one but I thought that perhaps maybe a conference system like they have with the under 17s etc in England would work uh, maybe an, an annual Scotland v England game for senior players trying to get into GB um, these sorts of things would, would, would also help the, the women's game I appreciate that's a bit more down the line, perhaps in terms of development. But what do you guys think of that? Essie, I'll go to you first, since I've, just to, to kind of flip the flip the script a wee bit. Yeah, I mean, I think anything organised in terms of of pushing the female game would be really beneficial. Um, and obviously, it's I think the numbers are there. It's just we obviously don't have this sort of system in place, like a conference system in place. Um, but if that was possible, then absolutely. I think anything that is, you know, a development pathway or toward the development pathway or, you know, making an impact in the development pathway for girls would make a difference into the way that women, you know, come through the game and whatever, go through uni or, or juniors or conference system or seniors or whatever, you know, everything would make a huge difference because at the moment, obviously, we don't have a lot to work with. Okay, and uh, Ali, I'll come. I'll come to you next. Oh, sorry, Ali, I'll come to you next. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm completely on board with what Essie was saying. I think really it's all about creating more avenues um, for women to get into into different sort of sides of the sport, and you know, something like that might give women who have maybe say not come from juniors and started at uni sort of more more of an ability to play at a higher level. Um, despite having not been in the sport quite as long. Um, so, yeah, I think really, really something in place as well, something sort of more uh, organised and sort of be unifying uh, can only be a good thing for the sport. And, uh, and Nick, finally, what do you think of that idea? And um, wouldn't you love to commentate on the Scotland-England uh, women's game? I think... Um 
it'd be rather interesting to share that commentary experience with you. Uh, I think that could be a, that could be good fun. But no, we we've been through this many times, Rambo, and we we've we've chatted the chatted about various avenues of. The, one of the main things is, and especially whether it be whatever whatever level of women's hockey it is, is is getting it out there and and publicising it correctly and, and advertising it to not only the women that are involved right now and celebrating those the, their achievements and, and their abilities, but also publicising it to the to the next generations and to the to the future the future people that this is something that is accessible for them no matter what age they're at it's something that they can be involved in and and something that they can find find a home in to an extent in the same way that um many many examples that we can think of in the past have that we've either seen come through the university level or that we know through our personal experiences it's it's critical that they're given given an equal opportunity to be able to do this and and as you talked about that that conference style thing and certainly the england scotland uh theory that you've got there is is something that does need to be really looked at and really pushed to to the next level if you know what i mean and make it happen we've we've got the we've got the resources to do it it, it should really be it should be done we 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 should be celebrating the the women's game that we have to try and develop the future as well yeah, I think one of the things for me that, and I'll I'll open it to the floor again. That, that kind of strikes me about the the women's senior game, particularly. I keep saying women's senior game, but there is obviously junior development under 16s level. But the women's senior game is just not anywhere near marketed well enough, in my opinion. That I mean, the teams push it out on Twitter and you know, and all this sort of stuff. And actually, if you're into hockey. And you're into fun Twitter and fun social media, then follow follow the women's teams because some of them their banter is absolutely brilliant. Um, and they post funny videos and stuff like that where they've done like the toilet roll challenge. The Steel Queens done it. The uh, the Whitley Bay team did it as well. Um, it's all good. It's all good fun. So you can support your you can support your women's team by just doing that because it obviously makes them more marketable to to sponsors. But I think there needs to be a way that we can try and get more bums in seats. At women's games and and that maybe needs a, a, a push from the top level. Um, I appreciate that um, no one here plays for a women's league team, but what does anyone think to that? I, I'll I'll go to you first, Nick, and then uh, and then I'll I'll bring in uh, Essie and, and Alia as well. As well. No, definitely so. I think we we're very strong advocates of the building the foundations of the development of the women's game from the bottom, but equally it needs to push down from the top in terms of promoting promoting that top level and and getting people interested in that and and as you say the the interaction and to be honest the the best social media that i've seen from a lot of the teams is 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 from the comes from the women's clubs because they they need that to survive to an extent and it's and it's a big part of what they do and a big part of how they they market themselves and and as an example i i know more women's teams with sponsors and with relationships in the commercial world to make it sure that they can survive than than men's teams and i think there's a lot that can be learned there in terms of how how teams are marketing themselves and putting themselves in the shop window it's then about that final step about that on ice product and and getting people to actually see that rather than just um investing in it actually physically investing in it by being there and and that does mean as we've talked about before just because there's a senior men's game going on and needs to be rearranged, it doesn't mean that the women's game gets moved. It's equally as important, and it's a, it's a large part of of the hockey community in general. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be at the forethought of everybody's thinking that actually this is some good quality competitive hockey that we can access and we can go and watch and and we can uh, and we can invest in. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I you know obviously know through various people that play in the Steel Queens and maybe play for league teams down in England um, that their season sometimes starts in August and finishes in June um, which is great in some ways because it's a nice long season but it's partly because there's this sort of fallow period where they hardly play any games because the men's team get priority and then some of their games get pushed because the men's team game gets rearranged or the men's team gets into the playoffs and they get punted into the long grass because of that, and I, I think that's wrong personally. Um, 
Essie, what about you? Do you think there's any way we could we could market the women's game more so that there's more bums and seats and uh, and perhaps more funded available? Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I I feel well. If you look at social media and look at you know the the sort of higher level teams and the league teams and particularly male teams, nowhere you will see women's being mentioned in those clubs nowhere you will see them helping push the women's game you know and i think a lot of people have a sort of a misconception about the women's game you know they just sort of brush it at the back being like oh they're just a bunch of girls playing it's not a real game um and they don't give it a chance but if we had those people like nick said it needs to come from the higher up down because they need to be the people who go actually this is a really interesting game come and see our players play you know have those teams and and associations and leagues from higher up promote it because it you know teams can promote themselves all they want and but it's you know if people have that misconception or it doesn't get into their feeds or it doesn't you know go into the algorithm of people who love hockey they're not going to see it and it's a real it's such a shame because women's hockey is great you know it's yes it's not as fast all the time it's not as physical you know we don't we don't go and destroy each other on the boards which i know some people love looking at you know men's hockey for but our game is tactical it's you know it's reading the game it's a lot of skill there's so many skilled girls out there and i just think it needs to come from people who have an impact on what people see online for example or you know a wider community of of hockey fans need to see that this is actually a game worth coming to see um so definitely there's so much we could do more and i think women's teams are doing such a great job themselves you know everyone's creative you know doing the challenges um I see a lot of girls having sponsors and, you know, they're posting things, you know, raffles, they have charities, fundraising, they're doing all of these things for their team, but they're not really getting the recognition to having people come and watch their games and the league sort of pushing games, training sessions are really late. So it definitely the, the change needs to come from the people who have impact um, more than the teams themselves. And, uh, and what about yourself, Ali? What do you think of these points? I, yeah, again, I completely, completely agree with Essie. I mean, from our point of view, being sort of a brand new team, you know, on the sort of in the circuit is a really sort of, I guess, a good point of view for this question in particular. You know, as a women's team, unfortunately, we do just sort of have to try harder um, because there isn't that sort of immediate following. And I really think it's all about, you know, different campaigns and using them strategically and maybe sort of looking into things like affiliation and endorsements from the higher up levels. And, you know, even just sort of the mentioning of a women's team over the tannoy at a game would, you know, it would it would attract the attention of people who wouldn't otherwise know. We've we've done really well with sort of finding um, like the Leeds Chiefs fans, for example, with their group. And we've sort of been communicating with them and sort of introducing ourselves via their platform. And that's been really, really um really great people have been really responsive and really receptive and you know sort of saying things like oh we had no idea that this was even coming about thank you for bringing it to our attention we really want to support and you know get involved and really at the end of the day if you love hockey you love hockey you know you, you can find something different to love than the than the violence just like as you said you know it's 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 strategic it's it's got thought in it it's not all about you know hitting each other and and that and that sort of sense of it yeah, I totally, totally agree with that, and I, I think um, Nick, I'm sure, will share the sentiment. Uh, the uh, the last two Olympics, the women's hockey's been far superior to the men's in terms of competitive level. Oh, massively so. In terms of not only as a as someone watching the product who either does or doesn't know what they're looking at, it's it's just a as as the girls have said, it's it's a tactical game and it's a and it's a tactical battle, but you can everybody can take away something from just sitting down and as we've said before and I know we've said this how many times just go on YouTube and watch the the senior US and women's uh, and Canada games like it's you, you you can try and tell me that that's not um, a better watch than maybe NIHL one or something like that in terms of what the product that you're going and watching it's 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 competitive hockey and it's got its own brand and as you, as the girls have said it's about in the uk getting that brand and 
getting it, getting it into the platforms of people being able to see it. And I massively agree with what the what the girls have said there. It's about the the senior elements of whether it be the men's teams or juniors or whoever it is advertising that this is going on. I know that speaking from personal experience, Whitley Bay do. Uh, I would say an alright job of this in terms of they will publicise for instance if the Warriors aren't playing that weekend the Warriors platforms will advertise that either the juniors are playing or, or they have now started advertising that hey there's no Warriors game this Sunday but go down at 2 o'clock and you can watch the uh, watch the women's team and all it takes is the 1500 fans that go and watch the Warriors or the 2000 fans that might turn up for some games all it takes is if 100 of those turn up and think you know what it's free I'm going to go along I'm going to go support the women's team 100 bums on seats is, is a massive achievement and a massive step in the right direction all it takes is for those 100 people to come back or for 50 of those people to bring a friend that's how it evolves and, and that's what it's going to take and it's going to take publications by the people that hold the power to, to do this, if you know what I mean, in terms of throw, throwing this out there. I've never seen uh, I've never seen the Sheffield Steelers promote that the uh, Sheffield Shadows have got a game this weekend. So, that, it's things that, like that. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, the racers did give us a bit of a share at one point. I have to give them their due um, for that after I asked them to share our GoFundMe, I think it was, for Nationals. Um and I, I, I do think there are teams that are open to, to working more closely, but I do also get the impression that there's a there's a little bit of maybe perhaps fears maybe the wrong word, but it's also it's almost like well what's this going to do for us to some teams, and it's what it does for the game because I, I remember reading a, a I think it was a tweet after Kendall is it Kendall Coin I hope I've got that name right uh, skated in the NHL skills competition. And was fantastic. And I remember reading a comment with some guy saying that his daughter had never been interested in hockey before, but he was watching the skills competition. She saw Kendall Coyne said, I want to do that too. And then went and now is asking for hockey boots and stuff. So I think it's important that people see, like, and maybe I'm wrong, but is it important for at a young age for girls to see, you know, senior hockey more than men's and maybe feel that they can do it too? Um, Ali, I'll come to you first with that comment and you can maybe make a comment on that. I, yeah, absolutely. I think it's always important for like, especially in a sport like this, to have a role, a sense of a role model at a young age. It, you know, there's nothing better than being exposed to something and know that you can also do it too. Um, and then I suppose there's also things like campaigns and stuff that are put out to young young children, like, you know, like the whole like this girl can campaign and stuff. And, and sort of having that exposure and seeing it really sort of makes it less of a, a thing that you just sort of see as to it becomes something that you can achieve. Uh, which I think is really key. Essie, what about what about you? What do you think about that comment? Um, I would 100% agree with what's been said. You know, I think if I had in school seen hockey players that were girls, I might have not hated PE or I might have actually picked up the sport and not thought of it as something I have to do because, you know, we, we would go and play hockey for PE, but, you know, we all knew about our Liga. We all knew about NHL and it was all the boys taking the, the game and, you know, we were always on the backside, never getting to touch the pucks. But if someone had actually showed us, do you know what? There's all these women players who are enjoying the game. They're successful in the game. You know, they, they play the same game they're players like everyone else you know maybe I would have picked it up earlier and not hated PE because of hockey or not because of hockey but you know not associated the hate with PE to hockey um, and even you know coming to uni hockey didn't see many players you know there were I think what two girls when I joined um, and you know at that time I did not see anywhere on social media about any female hockey especially in the UK being you know promoted and I think I've only really gotten to see female hockey because I started to be involved with hockey through work like b before Steel Queens came around um, and I think it's so important for, for girls to see that there are other girls and that I know that there's you know Kendall is such a good example of, of you know kids looking at her and saying oh I want to do that and I know there's a lot of people back home in Finland you know our female Lions are doing a fantastic job promoting the women's game there's a lot of girls that um, have started to play hockey because they've seen them um, so it's so so important I think at uni level even we can do more we can you know show girls that you know you don't 
you don't have to be a certain type of girl to play hockey or you know you don't have to be all this masculine you know it's not a game for just certain types of girls you know everyone can play hockey if you want to try just come and try it you know I think we can we can make a huge difference in the way that people look at the game as well but and and how girls feel like when they might see this the sport if we have the representation there okay okay well um I'll, unless anyone has anything pressing they want to add to to what we've talked about with women's hockey so far and how things could improve, I suppose, and the importance of women's games. Maybe we could uh, maybe move on to Christmas because that's the other topic that we're here for. Is it, has anyone got anything to say just briefly? Um, I'll give you a couple of seconds to chime in. No, no, okay, right. Well, we'll, we'll go on to some Christmas stuff, but thank you for that talk about um, about women's hockey and why you know why these things are important and what we could be doing better and. Um, it's certainly something that um, I hope I can take forward, and maybe uh, some of the powers that be, it might get this might get back to them. Um, your thoughts on this, and when uh, discussions can be had about how we can improve uh, improve things and make and make that that game more accessible for for uh, girls who want to give it a go. So um, the next thing I was going to ask you guys, um, standard for this time of year, um, what what are you hoping to get for Christmas? This year from Santa, um, Nick. What about yourself? So this is the third year of doing the Christmas podcast, and I still get blindsided by the obvious questions. Um, <laughs> I probably should think about this in advance. Um, what am I looking for from Santa? Um, if you could end the year and and try and get back, and twenty twenty one could be more like. 2019 level of normal I think I'd, I'd take that as a gift but something more generic um, I don't know <laughs> I'm going to flip this straight around Rambo what are you looking for while I quickly think uh, personally um, what I'm looking for um, is is actually I need I need a new hockey stick that's the right height for me because um, my, my orange one's getting a bit long in the tooth so, it's, a good but, job you, it's a good job you know a guy. I I do. I know. I need to speak to you. Uh, as long as you've got the, if, as long as it's at least a hundred flex, though, so, because because otherwise I will just break it as soon as I shoot with it. So. Um, that, that, that that could be uh, that could be sorted. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Nick, have you thought of anything yet, or do you want me to pass it on to someone else? No, let's pass it on to someone else. I think I've butchered that enough. Right. Okay. Um, Alia, what, what would you like for Christmas this year? <laughs> Oh gosh, I think I think like a lot of people, it would be really great if um, if nationals could be the gift of Christmas, you know, to know that that was going ahead sort of in the future, come April. I think that's probably what I want for Christmas. Uh, I'm ho- I hope our man in the North Pole knows more than we do, but um, that is a very good wish, and I, I do share that sentiment that I hope nationals goes ahead. Um, uh, and uh, now I come to you, Essie. I hadn't thought about this before either. I've literally been sitting here panicking what do I want for Christmas because I don't actually think I want anything because this year's just been so horrible. But I do back the Nationals thing. That would be great because this is my alumni year. So if Nationals don't go ahead, I'll be very sad. So definitely let's put that energy out there. I want Nationals too. <laughs> so everyone everyone, sing loud and clear for all to hear and that'll spread Christmas cheer. I got the rhyme totally wrong from Elf, but you know what I was meaning. Um, speaking of Elf, uh, one of my favourite Christmas movies, um, and also along with sort of, uh, we'll say Die Hard, but, but you know you can argue whether that's a Christmas movie or not, and uh, and Arthur Christmas. Um, let's let's have a little bit of chat about your favourite Christmas movie and why. Um, I'll go to you first, Nick. I'm sure you've got one for this. He's left us, Nick. What's your favourite Christmas movie? Yeah, sorry. I was on mute. Uh, <laughs> again, you've ruined it. I would have always had Elf up there. Um, I would have thrown... You know what? I don't know where you stand on the whole Die Hard Christmas movie, not Christmas movie kind of debate, but I yeah, Die Hard, whether or not you class it as a Christmas movie or not, is a, is a quality film. I would have that up there. Um, throwing in some curveballs of the likes of the uh, the Home Alones of this world and, uh, and, and things like that in terms of... Uh, the uh, the first Home Alone in particular is 
is a is a pretty good in my, in my stock Christmas uh, Christmas thing. But um, I should have been better at this because uh, me and Beth have made a pact that since the start of December, all all we're allowed to watch on the TV is Christmas movies. In which case, the Hallmark Channel and all the terrible, terrible, uh, just made for TV Christmas movies that have been played. And unfortunately, there's not uh, there's not much going on in the background of. Uh, of that, but um, is it the Christmas Chronicles? It's on Netflix. It's got Kurt Russell in. I think uh, we watched that the other day. I, I'd, I'd, add, I'd add that to the list if someone's not watched anything. I'll watch that. Okay, and what, what about um, and what about you, Essie? What about you next? Oh, I love Christmas. I love all the Christmas films. But so, if you're not Finnish, you'll not know what I'm talking about. But there's a Finnish Christmas film that comes on um, Channel 2 in Finland every morning at Christmas. And this is a bad translation, but it's called Santa and the Witch Drum. If you're Finnish, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Honestly, my favorite thing. When I was a kid, I used to watch it so many times that I would know the entire script of the film. Just great. But if we're talking English films, The Grinch. There's nothing better than The Grinch because... I just relate to on a spiritual level. It's great. I love the Grinch, but also Home Alone Three is one of my favorites. Now, which Grinch is that? Is that the one with Jim Carrey or the cartoon one? Not the cartoon one. The Jim Carrey one, because I don't know. The cartoon one's good, but you know, just oh, there's nothing better than the the human one. It's just so alive and real, and oh, it's such a great film. I watch it like three times at Christmas. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, and Alia, what's your favourite Christmas movie? Um, I mean, for me, it's no no question really. Love Actually is is a solid film. I don't know whether it's the fact that you know Hugh Grant and Colin Firth are in it, which is obviously a massive a massive plus, or or what really. But it really does. Um, it I don't know. Every year, without fail, it's watched watched at least at least ten times. But then then there's the um. I don't know if any of you will have seen it. It's called, oh gosh, I can't think quite right. Mr. Christmas decorates your house or something. It's on Netflix. It's a home renovation uh, TV show. It's the most, I don't know, it's very American. It's very flamboyant. It's very over the top. This guy comes into your house. He decorates it. It's fantastic. It's ridiculous. If you've not seen it. Mr. Christmas does Christmas or decorates your house, something like that. It's on Netflix. Solid. Well, there you go, getting some Christmas recommendations for uh, Netflix. Um, what I can't believe that no one said, and I should have said this at the outset, is Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, which is just it's just fantastic. And it's all the little bits at the side, you know, that no cheeses for us, Mises and all this sort of stuff. Just fantastic movie. And if, if you haven't seen it, for shame, because it is, as someone who's not maybe the most Christmassy, Muppets Christmas Carol is, is definitely uh, gets you in the mood. Um, right, next thing, obvious transition here is your favourite Christmas song. Um, I will uh, I will not go to Nick first because I've, I've sort of uh, hit him with it too early <laughs> already. Unless you. Um, so I'm going to go to uh, Alia. What, what's your favourite Christmas song and why? Um. Oh gosh, I feel like you've now just thrown me off completely um favorite christmas song it's probably either driving home for christmas or fairy tale of new york i think um no particular reason why i think i just you know they just stand out for me i listen to them all at christmas as i'm sure everyone does but those are the two that i'll always you know sing along to and feel a little bit happier when they're playing and uh Nick, I will now go to you. I'll give Essie a little bit longer to think of her one. Okay, fair. Fairy tale in New York is not even. It's not even close. Like that is. Every time I hear that, that's that's when Christmas kind of begins for me. Is probably the first time I hear that during the year, and it's. I don't know. It's just. It's for for me. It kind of sums up the the spirit of Christmas as much as anything else. But um, don't get me wrong. There's some other quality ones, but really, um, Fairy Tale in New York is kind of up there on a on a pedestal for me. Okay, cool. And uh, finally, Essie, what's your uh, what's your favorite Christmas song of mine? Even though you gave me lots of time, you've definitely thrown me off. Um, to be honest, I don't actually listen to that much Christmas music, but I do rate 
the Christmas album by Sia, and it just has covers of lots of Christmas songs. But I can't really name one song because I don't really listen to them. But I, but I have the album on the background. Cool. Um, I've got quite a few uh, Christmas songs that I've kind of got into just because I've been preparing a musical bingo for the uh, for the Scottish university clubs for uh, for next week and uh, and I found all these these sort of random Christmas songs um, that I like uh, there's one that's it's called it's effing cold outside um, which is really quite funny uh, and then there's my, but my favorite sort of I suppose more con- popular one is uh, Christmas time don't let the bells end by the darkness I just think that <laughs> There's a sort of comical grace to that that's just that's just fantastic. But um, yeah, I thought we'd just just throw out some Christmas songs uh, for you guys. So um, also, I've been working a little, Nick, and I told you this, uh, and you can come in here if you want. But I've been working on a couple of uh, of songs that need to be readjusted for uh, for COVID. Did I did I tell you this? I thought I'd imagined this, but I'm, I'm, I'm now ringing a bell. I thought yeah. this was just a bad dream that you told me about this, but it turns out it's real, so go on. Yeah, so I, the first one was, uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus right under the pee last night. And then it goes on, oh, what a fine it would have been if the COVID officer had only seen blah, blah, blah. What do you think of that one? <laughs> I wouldn't quit the day job. Okay, and the only other one was uh, we're going to be lonely this Christmas, or at least two meters away by Elvis Presley. But I think <laughs> I think we'll uh, we'll stop there. And um, any comment on those? Uh, SEU first. Um, agree with Nick. Don't quit your day job just yet. And and Alia. I'm I'm quite impressed. I won't lie. I, I'd listen to it if it was a record. It would be on my record player. Yeah, perhaps get a session singing in, uh, Nick. I think that would maybe make things better. Um, I, 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 get, I get told off for uh, by by dibs sometimes for randomly singing during commentary in nationals, and I was just thinking maybe dibs should try commentating for sixteen hours a day and see if he randomly. Yeah, starts. If, 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 if dibs can find a way to fill thirty-two hours without going a little bit delirious. Um, <laughs> Then good luck to him. But I think we've both been there. Where I don't know, you, you, it's peaks and troughs. You uh, you rise and fall with nationals, and and sometimes it's just needed, yeah. as uh, as Guffgate will uh, will <laughs> will attest. I think I think my uh, my most recent um, you know, phrase is uh, I've never been this excited since Slowly the Butcher. <laughs> right, finally. Um, I'm just going to, this is a sort of more open question. Uh, Nick, you're not muted, so I'll go to you first. Um, talk us through a sort of uh, what your plan is for Christmas this year and Christmas Day in these COVID times. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, this is this is actually quite a, a quite a sad thing, which is um, we've we've taken the decision to be quite uh, quite responsible this year. And obviously, I know there's going to be lots of people who are just going to tear up the rule book and, and do whatever whatever they think's needed. But um, obviously, quite fortunate to uh, obviously have uh, have Beth and Apollo with me, and we've got our own little little family up here. But um, Due to obviously the nature of where I live and where 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 Beth's family is and where my family is, we we discussed plans with them and looked at that. Unfortunately, we were going to be the odd ones out in terms of everybody else had got their nice little structured bubbles and we were just going to be interfering with everybody else's bubble and our bubble was just going to be all over the place. So we we've been responsible and we're meeting up before Christmas with, with both sets of families independently outside. Good chance for them to meet Apollo and get to walk him outside and we're going to exchange gifts there and we're actually going to have um, Christmas in the Northeast together for the first time uh, without our families and stuff. So um, it's going to be different, but actually I think secretly we're, we're kind of... Uh, looking forward to it and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different but certainly um it will be a very virtual christmas in terms of there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of skyping going on on uh, on christmas day to see friends and family to make sure that we're being nice and responsible since they've all got um other people to be looking after and they could do without us Bill, it sounds like you've got it you've got it all worked out um now ali i'll come to you what, what's what's christmas looking like for you this year 
Um, well, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I, we've still not really decided what we're doing. We're sort of, so my family, um, they're sort of split between uh, quite near to Hull. And then the, my parents are in um, the south of Spain. So at the moment, I'm still not really sure what I'm doing. Um, it will probably come down to myself and Lewis just spending, you know, like our first Christmas sort of together in, in our little one bed flat, being responsible, you know, hanging out with the hamster. I reckon it's probably most likely drinking lots of Baileys and eating far too much food just for the two of us. That sounds like a decent Christmas, uh, certainly to me. Um, eating far too much food is something that I enjoy. Um, Essie, what about yourself? What's, what's Christmas looking about? Which which country are you going to be in to start with? And what's Christmas looking like for you? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm I'm a weird one. Um, yeah, it's a bit difficult because obviously I have no family here. Uh, um, we can't really go to Finland because, um, because of the restrictions. And obviously I've got grandparents and don't really want to take risks and stuff. So the plan is now to get a negative COVID test this week and fly out to my parents' house in Switzerland and just have a little family, just the, the four of us, me, my parents and my sister. So nothing special this year, but we don't want to take any chances of traveling between countries or anything like that or having extra people come in. So just just the little family and us, um, given everyone gives a negative test before we fly. And um, I've uh, Nick and I have been to Switzerland. I think we may have mentioned it on the podcast nearly every time. Um, is it the most Christmas? There you go. You got it in again. You can wait right till the end. I did. Uh, is it the most Christmassy place on earth? Um, for me, because I'm a Finnish person, no. The most magical Christmas place on earth is Lapland. Everyone needs to go there. But I give you that, though. Switzerland is very magical, particularly if you're around the mountains and there's lots of snow. Um, it can be very magical. But Finland it will always be the most magical place because that's where Santa lives. Uh, that is actually very correct. I'm sorry, Essie, for doubting um, Finland uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, right, that, that actually brings us nicely to the sort of last uh, session of round, round the Table questions about Christmas. Um, I uh, recently um, saw a video of someone skating in between the mountains in Banff, and it got me thinking, if COVID's lifted and you can go anywhere for your Christmas holiday, where would it be? And it was between Banff and obviously San Moritz, Nick, but I figured I would probably be able to afford to eat in Banff more than I would in San Moritz, so I decided that it was Banff for me. Um, has anyone got a, an ideal Christmas holiday destination that they would like? Um, I'll go to you first, Alia. Um, oh gosh, there's so many places. I went. I went to San Moritz last year um, over Christmas, and it was just incredible, an absolutely beautiful and amazing place. So, to be honest with you, if you're choosing Banff, I'd probably go for San Moritz just to even it out. That's fair. It's not a bad choice at all. And uh, Essie, what about yourself? I mean, I'm biased, but I would go to Finland purely because I never get to spend Christmas with my family, really. Well, extended family. So if I had to choose anywhere, we'd go to Finland. Excellent. And uh, Nick, finally, yourself, where would you go? Um, I'd... Jumping, jumping off the back of what you were saying there, Rambo, you're telling me that life wouldn't be a lot better right now if we were sitting four weeks away from spending another week in Viramaki. You can't tell me that there wouldn't be a, a smile on your face right now thinking about the the fun times that had on the BUIJ camp out there and uh, and just the, the good banter and the good company. But um, no, like there's, there's always been something for me and it's on the bucket list, which is to do... Uh, New York at Christmas and do the whole uh, skating on Central Park and the rest of that kind of stuff if you know what I mean so I, I'd have that on my if I could go anywhere this Christmas and do that it would be it would be due to do that Nice one um, yeah I, I do I would be so happy to go to Viramaki in the new year um, and uh, if they are listening I mean I'm happy to be sponsored by them uh, Lap and Kulta uh, would be drunk in, in great quantities as you know, you know Nick um, I seem to have developed a taste for it <laughs> to say the least um, so uh, yeah no, I, I would be well up for Vera Mackey again uh, I actually last year was going 
through not the best of times right at the start of the year, uh, getting to Viramaki, coaching, having all the Nottingham people come to me for skating coaching and not Rathbone. Um, just It just made me feel better inside. Um, so, yeah, I would love to go to Viramaki again. Uh, and it is, uh, as the events guy, are we not looking at Viramaki perhaps 2021 summer? This, this yeah, time. you've uh, you've not been in the summer, have you, Rambo? I have not been in the summer. Apparently, I can play golf though. Yeah, now now Essie will tell you because we've been many times. Where where do you stand, Essie? In terms of, I've always had this debate with myself in terms of summer Viramaki versus winter Viramaki. It's obviously two very different places, but pro, pros and cons of both. Just uh, on this. What a debate! Right winter one obviously amazing especially if you get the snow you'll get the outside pad it's great you know the sauna and the lake at winter time some of you might dip in the water it's great but however i do have to say the summer camps have been the best for me i've had the best time and i think it is because the time we go is midsummer in finland so you'll have lots of like life at viramaki and just you know the lake at sunset i don't even know how many hours we've actually stayed up just to like five in the morning just sitting by the lake and chatting because it, it's so sunny during the summer like midsummer time because the sun doesn't really set and obviously like i don't know it has to be the summer for me it's just it's a different vibe they're very different camps but the best one so far for me and oh god there'll be many is the summer and and also i think we could get good money to get rambo up on the diving board yes <laughs> could this be another edition of rambo tries yes yes it could or or there could be a sequel with a another show that rhymes but it's a lot darker but, um, but, but no trust me as Essie's seen Essie's been up there I've been up there um, going up on that diving board seems like a good idea until you get up there but no it's something you have to do it's a rite of passage but um, but yeah as Essie said um, think about the hours of darkness that we have during the winter Rambo and, and just flip that round you can be sitting there drinking your your lapping coulter by the uh, by the fire next to the lake and not realise it's four a.m. and Andy Marshall's going to be uh, getting you to run around the track in about three hours' time. So I probably should go and get some sleep. He doesn't get me to run around the track. Let's be honest. Um, I have my own way of warming up. Well, that's <laughs> another edition of Rambo tries then. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds amazing. The only thing that concerns me is being very ginger that. Um, actually, it's better than the, having all that darkness because it saves a fortune on sunscreen. Uh, but yeah, it sounds good, and I would be I'd be well up for it. I've got a I've got a festival booked in the summer as well in Spain as well, so I'm hoping that we get sorted out so I can it still goes ahead. Um, right, okay. Well, we've we've talked and had some good good times, I think, and good vibes. Um, I think we'll go around the table as usual for the usual. Uh, would you like to give anyone a shout out to? Uh, I'd just like to give a, a massive shout out to uh, the BHA committee and uh, uh, in particular uh, to, to Mel Dog um, with having his first Christmas with his new family. Uh, to yourself, Nick, and your new family with Apollo, the dog. Um, he looks like a belter and Blaze cannot wait for a play date with him. Um, and just to everyone in the BHA family that's uh, at times I've reached out to to ask them to do things or ask them questions and generally annoyed them this year uh, or even just for a chat and uh, uh, been there been there for me so a uh, big shout out to all them but um, I'll now go around the table uh, Nick I'll start with you uh, who have you got to shout out to yeah obviously um, family my little family up here and my extended family uh, down south but then my, my hockey family in the northeast and and the wider BYJA hockey family who I think Rambo you said it quite quite well there that where we we often talk about in hockey that it is a community and that extends from not only just your own team but to everybody else is involved because it's so much like-minded folk and everybody's pretty much on the same page with a lot of things and uh, and everybody's in it for the same reasons and and that's and that's really important and I'm very thankful for that and again we we do this for 
provide some light entertainment to the people who've got nothing better to do on their commutes or whatever it might be. But yeah, uh, again, BYJ committee and making everything possible. I know this year's not been the easiest in terms of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of stuff going on. But um, but yeah, and a special shout out to uh, to Andy and uh, and his new arrival there. That's uh, it's a it's a great way to end what's been a um, a difficult year, put it that way. But um, yeah, that's me. I think. Okay, and uh, Essie, got you next. Yeah, I'd just like to give a shout out to the hockey family, really. You know, all my best friends are from hockey. I've made so many great friends like BYJ Beyond. You know, obviously shout out to everyone who voted to give me another year as players rep. I have lots of things planned and I'm so excited that everyone wants to still have me around. Um, I know lots of my friends will be listening to this, whether it's from hockey or beyond. So just want everyone to have a nice Christmas. I know it's been a horrible year. Everyone struggled in one way or another so you know I think in that the times like this you really know how important your hockey family is particularly because we've not been able to play but everyone's still you know supporting each other so all my hockey friends and fam love everyone okay and finally Alia um, who would you like to give a big shout out to oh gosh there's so many so many people I guess like Essie said like there's like friends housemates uh, boyfriends that have come from hockey so you know the real hockey family has to have a shout out of course and then more specifically um, Soph Sinclair from the Leeds Griffin she's our president this year and she's sort of leading us in an incredible way through an incredible year an incredibly difficult year so to her and all the committee and then of course to my my fellow committee members on the roses um all everybody who supported us our fans our you know our our partners our charities who we support and support us back uh watch this space we've got lots of things coming very soon after christmas um yeah the hockey family the hockey community Excellent. Um, now, everyone, I wasn't sure if you'd be up for doing this, so you can tell me if you're not, um, and I'll cut it. But uh, I thought, as a little bit of a change this year, we could all just uh, we could all sing out "We wish you a merry Christmas" to finish the pod off. What do you think? Next, I think out. you've been very musically minded recently. <laughs> I think. I know. Yeah, you have far too much spare time. What we wish you a merry Christmas is not a difficult Christmas song. Do you oh, think we'd actually sound good? I think we'd sound horrible, but I, that, that's just because I can't sing. How, how about we flip this around? I don't know what you two girls think, but how about we get Rambo to serenade us to finish the pod? I think that would be a better conclusion, really. Yeah, Rambo, on you go. <laughs> okay. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.